and welcome back to Mind Matters with Mia. I'm your host, Mia Yen, and today we are going to talk about depression in teens with Karen Beck. Depression is a really interesting subject, and I think it's really important to be educated in, especially because it's so prevalent in teens and young adults these days. So yeah, let's get right into it. I hope you guys enjoy today's episode. Okay, so how are you? I am well, thank you. How are you How are you uh, doing? I'm actually pretty well, thank you. Um, how have you been with all the big changes and everything? You know, a lot of the um, changes have really been just doing a lot of teletherapy from home. Okay. And um, so all of my in-office visits have been transferred to uh, my home office. That's the way things are rolling until we get back to uh, to the in-office visits, which I, I really love in-office visits. The teletherapy is wonderful because my clients have access to therapy, but you know, the best situation I think is always in office. Yeah, definitely. I know it's like probably a little weird right now, but what is your job normally like? So do you mind describing for me what it's like on a normal day, not in quarantine? So a typical day would be going into the office and seeing clients um, and then talk to people um, who've left messages, um, write notes, um, interact with others. Um, And I also do, um, like on my break, sometimes I pick up a good book and I, and I read my books that, um, that might have to do with, with um, some of the kind of treatment programs and uh, to help you keep up to date with what's going on. I like that you mentioned the books. That's cool. So are those just for fun or like you were saying, it's books that are relevant to what you do? Yeah, um, they're re- relevant most of the time, um, sometimes just for fun. But there's like one is like mood, there's a mood over matters. It's like food, how food um, interplays with how we feel. Sometimes little research articles that pop up that are really helpful to the kind of therapy that, um, that I use. Uh, okay, that's pretty cool. So mm-hmm. what would you say are the hardest things about your job? There's a couple of things, but one of the hardest things about my job for me personally would be just taking care of myself. I think with all, with psychotherapy um, therapists in general, psychologists, we're, we're there out helping our clients for the majority of the day. And then, and then we forget about ourselves. So uh, we have to take a moment when we get home and just learn to just take note of relaxing and being mindful and processing our day. Um, and eating well throughout the day is, is pretty important for me and, and drinking enough water. <laughs> yeah, so. you're always probably thinking about the patients and what they could be doing and it's probably easy to forget about yourself, but that's what's most important. Yeah, it, like I say to my clients, that's taking care of themselves as well, self-care, when they go home after their long day to take care of themselves as well, so. Yeah, self-care is really important, and I'll probably get to that in a little bit, but I wanted to dive into our topic for today, which is depression in teens. So first, let's go back to kind of the basics. So what characterizes depression? When a client walks into the office, what I'm looking at is if they're irritable, if they're just 
brooding and upset, obsessively ruminating on certain things. Um, also, like reporting anxiety and phobias, excessive worry. Has, have those things been coming up for them for quite a while? Or is this something that's just kind of, you know, off and on? Has it affected their physical health? Uh, and are they complaining of pain? any kind of physical pain. Definitely they've already expressed their mental pain. So uh, that's what that's what I'm looking at. Okay, so if someone came into your office with all these symptoms, how would you know when this is, is depression? Like how would you diagnose this rather than they're just having some of these symptoms short term? Yeah, so I, I look at, I ask them um, questions like, have you been experiencing this depression just kind of off and on, or has this been something that you feel the symptoms have been for over two weeks, um, over like 14 day period, and it hasn't relented it. You haven't, it feels like you haven't come up for air um, with these symptoms. Um, so they wanna have, uh, they don't wanna have, but, they, but they're experiencing and they're expressing like, I feel like depressed um, or, loss of interest or the things that really gave me pleasure like that I used to find pleasurable like I used to love to go walk my dog and now I just feel like I'm dragging my feet and I can't I can't even get out of the house to walk my dog anymore um, so they're putting those things away um, and then so one of those two things and then there's um, there's several other symptoms that come along with it um, that are like affecting their daily life. So it could be they're having this depressed mood, like most of the day, they're feeling exhausted uh, with, they don't have any energy. Um, they can't sleep or they feel like they sleep all day and they just don't wanna take their head off the pillow. Um, a lot of the times they just don't have any more self-confidence and they feel worthless and um, they're expressing like they just have maybe too much guilt or too much shame that they're carrying, which is really leading into how depressed they're feeling. Um, also, you'll find um, excessive weight loss or a lot of weight gain. So that could be either or. And then really a diminished ability to concentrate on things and indecisiveness to be diagnosed with depression, they don't have to have all of those symptoms. Meeting the mark on five of those and then going back to having that depressed mood and or the loss of interest of pleasure. So it's kind of like those are the things you would look for or that a patient would tell you they're feeling and that they might be depressed. Yes, yes, exactly. Okay, and that kind of takes me into the next thing I wanted to talk about. Um, I think a lot of people use the word depressed to describe just feeling sad regularly, which is definitely not an accurate term. So what marks the difference between normal, regular sadness or some of the other symptoms you were describing, like irritability or indecisiveness? What's the difference between that and depression? Um, how, how can you tell when someone has shifted over? Uh, they shifted over. Yeah. So that, that's a very good question. We often, I think just, I am so depressed today. Um, mm -hmm. or in, and really it's, you know, it's just a way of saying, I'm just feeling really low. I'm having a low day. I'm feeling sad. Um, so when they're shifted over, it, it starts out 
I think really being able to notice that we um, that we have changed our habits, like our daily habits, our normal way of being. Um, and I like to say that because you could be um, someone who you really is likes to stay home. They're more introverted. They stay in the room most of the day um, and do little things here and there, social interaction a little bit here and there. And that would be their norm. Or an extroverted person who's really out there socializing. And this is also out of like COVID-19. Like this is when we're out of quarantine. Um, so going out and socializing and, and interacting with groups and um, daily activities. But if you were to take the person who, just for example, like the extrovert who's always out there doing stuff and all of this, you know, these, all of a sudden you see these changes where they are home and they're not going out of the house and they barely take phone calls. They don't interact on text. They don't, they leave a lot of things unread. Um, here, there's noticeable, there's a notice, noticeable difference. So some of the things I guess to just identify um, that shift would be they're not getting enough sleep. Um, they're not staying connected with others. They're not wanting to get out of the house or talk with people they normally talk with. Maybe they're prescribed certain medications. Um, they're not taking those anymore. Uh, they're not eating well, uh, things like that. Yeah, so those are kind of the things that kind of like when it affects their daily life all the time and it's becoming constant, that's when you can tell it's kind of, it's actually depression and not just something normal. Yes, like pervasive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You were saying how, giving some examples about how extroverts might um, stay at home a lot or people will sleep for an extended period of time. So are these symptoms and depression in general something that people can expect to go away or or do you see recurrences throughout their lives like how long does it usually last and does it last like in periods or chronically yeah i you know depression is like there's there are several different forms of depression um which is interesting um a lot of the time we talk about uh, manic depression um and that, oh, you know, we're depressed, but there's there's several different kinds of depression. So I wish depression, we didn't have, have this depression, this common cold of our mental health. I really just say common cold because it comes on and it just likes to stay. And it's, it's not anyone, it's not their fault, you know, and I don't want anyone who is going through the depression to ever feel like it's their fault. This is something that Sometimes when a person's depressed, they feel like people blame them. They, they don't, that they're not doing enough or they're not, you know, going outside and getting fresh air. They're not exercising and doing what they can for themselves. So that's one of the things. So depression um, back kind of took a little uh, sidetrack there, but mm -hmm. there's major depression and then there's persistent depression. There's bipolar depression, which, um, can affect those who are diagnosed with bipolar and postpartum depression. So really depending on what kind of depression we're talking, the persistent depression can go on for as, you know, I, I can't really put an end on that. It really depends on, on the individual. It can last for quite a long time. It can go away and then it can come back. Uh, so the best thing to do there is with depression is to find 
to learn uh, good coping skills and just being mindful of what what kind of what you're how how one's feeling um, and kind of assessing when they start to go go back into this depressive state that they might be finding themselves in. So I'd love to say that it just goes away. It's only last six weeks. It's yeah. like a cold. <laughs> but unfortunately, it, it can stick around for quite a while. Okay, so it sounds like they're based on the different um, types of depression, it kind of depends. But um, I like what you're saying about the coping skills. And it really is about finding not finding, but learning about yourself and like what are your specific triggers or how long does it usually last? And that sounds pretty important to learn about, learn how you're reacting to these things. Yes, absolutely. Just really just seeing like within yourself, taking note of within yourself, being mindful of what's going on. And and if there are things in your life, it could be um, situational depression with, with some of those who are really coping with toxic people in their life and then working on how to become a healthy individual, even though those toxic people, I mean, like with teenagers, they could have very, very uh, toxic family members or not just isolating that with teens, but across the board, just family members who really can don't do them any favors. Yeah. So going back to kind of how long, what are the most common treatments for depression and how effective are they? And similar to what we were talking about, of, about how sometimes it comes back, um, how long would you continue this type of treatment? Uh, there's a few treatments that, that I think are so crucial to helping alleviate depression. Well, first of all, let's start from the beginning. Um, a person is going through depression, one of the first things they should do is to go to see their doctor and to have to, to, to see if there's any medical explanation besides their mental health. Like maybe this is like there some physical pain or ailment that they're going through that's really kind of triggering this feeling, the state of depression. If there's anything if it could be something internal, it could be something that has to do with their organs. I, you know, who, who knows, but a medical professional can really assess that. And if they're clear and there's not, there is nothing that's really affecting them there. Um, then to, to, um, visit a psychologist, um, talk to a psychologist, see if there's any, you know, if Maybe medication is something that they'd want to work with. Maybe not. Some some individuals really don't want anything to do with medication, and some of them do. Um, medication um, has shown to alleviate these things in depression, so that might be very helpful for them. And then also to if there is a support group available to them where they can join in with others who are who need uh, validation and and communication and bonding and being able to express how they're feeling and process it with others in a group um, or you know seeing an individual therapist where they can process their day and learn coping skills to get through their day uh, that would help help alleviate it yeah and you were talking about the um, how physical pain might be a trigger for someone's depression so I wanted to ask you um, what else can trigger depression in people or is it random? 
we can often say like, oh, I, I'm, I'm grieving I, because I've, I have a loss. I have a family member who I lost and I love very much, for example. Um, and that can sometimes continue on after a certain period into depression because it may have not only affected the fact that grieving over the loss of this one individual, but that their whole life has been turned upside down and they really don't know which way to go. Um, it's sometimes, and how that person perceives it, I mean, it could be abandonment or it could be rejection. Um, some often in like relationships, um, how that can lead into depression. If that might've been, you know, for example, the one person in their life that they really turned to and really just, just trusted and, and had their whole heart invested in that, in that person. And, and some, sometimes they might lose that someone might lose somebody like that so that can also lead into almost like i guess you could say mental state of pain because every yeah. day is is every day not being able to um interact with that person it's it's um can be very devastating yeah and that mental state of pain is what the depression is right mm -hmm. yes exactly and then it it and and having that state continue on and the chemicals that our brain uses for happiness and joy at start, they, they're not interacting properly with, you know, serotonin and dopamine and endorphins they are all going haywire after a certain point <laughs> and not regulating. So. Yeah, definitely. And um, I want to shift over to teens more specifically um, I feel like we hear a lot about depression in teens. So why is depression so common in teens specifically and, um, and young adults too? Mm -hmm. And what other age groups is it common in? Uh, yeah, teens, it, te I, I really give teens so much credit. I really, I love them because they are going through so much. Um, they go through so much. I mean, teens, they, they have social groups they have the social media is more impactful now so mm -hmm. they see things um that maybe their parents did weren't involved with at one point maybe it's or their family members it was um like like instagram and snap and um and facebook and all of those so we're seeing a lot more we're filling our mind with a lot more uh people and individuals who are like showing off what they've what they have going it might be their hair it might be you know new dance moves new makeup new um new clothes so take for instance like we have somebody on that we're following on social media um say instagram and they're just have the most amazing clothes and the most amazing figure and then we're comparing ourselves to them and then we're looking at ourselves and saying oh you know i don't have this i don't have that and so what am I, and I can't get this and I can't get that. It's like really just takes a really hard hit to self-confidence for some people. And I think that's one of the challenges is, is maintaining self-confidence in that kind of environment. Um, also social groups tend to change in the ebb and flow and friendships, maybe romantic relationships, uh, life events. Uh, sometimes teens have a um, challenging um, family life where it could be abusive, it, physically abusive, it could be verbally abusive, 
It could be um, maybe the parents are going through a divorce and their whole like their whole life as they know it is getting upended into something that they have no idea how to face that. Um, so I think a lot of those things really Im are impactful to teens. And unfortunately, before we were um, had these restrictions with COVID, uh, we were having a lot of community violence. And, mm. you know, I don't, I don't feel like anyone should ever face that kind of trauma, especially our young kids should ever have to go through anything like that in a place that they feel they trust and it's a safe haven and it turns, you know, upside down. It's a, it's a very trying time um, to have to go through any of that. Yeah, there's so many things nowadays that make it really easy, easy to become overwhelmed or make it easy to compare ourselves and all those things I'm sure add up and it kind of, you reach like a breaking point where depression comes in, I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's, it's so important to um, be able to support one another and ask each other questions if you know there's a noticeable difference and um, and ask and give yourself a self-assessment. Hey, am I doing okay today? How is everything going? Ask yourself yeah. the same questions. Yeah. Yeah. So what advice would you have for teens who feel like they might be slipping into depression? Are there any at-home tips you have for self-care or anything where they might need to talk to a professional? I, I really feel if you're able to talk, talk. If somebody you trust, talk to them. There's no, there's no stupid questions. Um, and it's very, it's important to be able to express and communicate the feelings that you have going on. Sometimes in that safe environment, in that nurturing environment, wherever that might be at home, one can do like meditation or breathing exercises, uh, stretching exercises. They can also journal, um, creating a daily journal about how they're feeling throughout the day. That's another really great way of expressing um, our feelings if we're not able to talk to somebody. Um, especially in this day and age too, right? In this, since we've been, have these restrictions where we can't go here and we can't go there and we can't do our daily our daily life structure I find is is important just kind of have a yeah kind of have a loose structure throughout the day okay I'm gonna wake up at this time and I'm gonna I'm gonna you know do this this and this take care of the things that you feel are a priority and and then give yourself some space and time to be able to enjoy the things that you like most um, and eating well and getting enough sleep and if you're able to take walks, you know, throughout the neighborhood, maybe that, mm -hmm. you know, walk the dog or, or, you know, that's also very important because it does kick the body into gear. Even if you have to drag yourself out, <laughs> it still helps. It really does. And I know that can be a real struggle to do anything physical for some. Um, so staying connected, also avoiding maybe you know, there's toxic people and a person's life trying to avoid that toxicity toxicity as much as possible and then um i knowing your triggers what triggers uh you one might have like if uh if there's somebody they talk to that just like sets them off maybe that's not a good you know interaction to have 
if eating too much chocolate sets you off, <laughs> like maybe that's not, um, that might not be a good thing to eat. Um, but for most it is, especially dark chocolate, a little bit sometimes helps those little endorphins. But as far as like really depressed, talking to somebody that you trust is so helpful. And then noticing if others are feeling depressed. A lot of times with depression, especially severe depression, one of the sad parts is, is that if one is going through depression, they start to remove themselves from the people that they love most. Okay. Feeling like, oh, they don't care anyway, or just making that excuse. And, you know, I don't care. I don't think they care. And I just need to move myself away from them. And um, that's very scary. That can be very scary for, for people that are severely depressed because we don't know how deep that depression can lead to can lead them yeah and I like that you mentioned having someone to talk to and um, going to others because the last thing I actually wanted to ask was I I know a lot of people are wondering about how they can help their loved ones so are there any other signs people can look for or specific things people can do if um, if they think a, fa- a friend or a family member might be depressed I, I go to the person that they that they're worried about um, that they're seeing changes in that are different from their norm. Okay. Um, just kind of keep an eye on them. Just be observant. I, you know, just seeing if they're okay. Asking if they're okay. If there's anything that they can do within the scope of of that relationship. Resources are really important. Maybe if that the person who's noticing the other person is depressed that they're care for caring about, they can, they can also talk to somebody who would be knowledgeable and identify what could be done um, for that person. Um, any professional um, that can help work with that individual would be really a great help because sometimes we don't know. We don't know what, what first steps to take. So definitely reaching out to the person, then reaching out to um, a professional within their area and then, and seeing what the best recourse is to help pull that person into a place that was first normal for them um, originally before they started experiencing the depression. I, I think that's a lot of good advice and for me pretty helpful to some people. So I think we've come to the end, but do you have any final takeaways or resources? Uh, the resources, I would say, there's a couple resources that are good. Um, they're open 24-7. Um, there's the crisis text line. Um, you can text hello uh, it's to 741-741. And they are always there to support any individual in crisis. Um, okay. There's also, of course, the National Suicide Hotline, and that's really, really important. That's 800-273-8255. And um, there's also my network. Um, I want to give a shout out to my network, Pacific um, Marriage and Family Therapy, Santa Monica, Manhattan, and Sherman Oaks. Um, For anybody, I mean, we have a great network of therapists that work with teens, um, and there's so much so much out there, so much hope and so much support for anybody who's going through this. Because I think the most important thing one should know if they are depressed is they don't have to be go through it alone. 
Yeah, well, thank you so much. I really like that last thing you said, that we're not alone. So thank you so much. I think this was a really great interview, and I learned a lot, definitely. It's been a wonderful experience, and keep doing what they're doing. It's awesome. Thank you so much. It is amazing, and I just... I give you so much credit and I, I just think so many people will be able to just learn and value your podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much. Have a great day. You too, man. Bye. Bye. Bye.